time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Part of my training was to be a hospital chaplain. It started out as a summer assignment. I had to get credit for a special course. I I spent my career, my early training career, as a pastoral counselor. So I was at a seminary working on my Master's of Divinity. Then I followed that up with a Master's in Theology, and then finally a Ph.D. in Pastoral Counseling and Family Therapy was my specialty. But along the way, I picked up some training in lots of different settings. And that chaplaincy ended up being one of those life-changing moments for me, or many life-changing moments along the way. I've talked about that experience many times in the Thrivology podcast And so I got an email from somebody that said, wow, being that hospital chaplain must have really impacted you. And indeed it did. And the person said, what lessons did you draw from that? And so I began to think about that. What what specific lessons have I drawn from that? Because some have managed to kind of mosey into uh, my writing as ways of understanding what happens to us throughout our life. And Part of my Thrivology process is to understand that life is not without its difficulties. Life is not without illness and sickness or accidents. That's included in life. I've talked with some people who believe that somehow you create these circumstances in life where you create all of the bad things. My problem with that is that that somehow supposes that we're going to make it forever, that there's not an end to this. And the fact is, that life has an expiration date for all of us. In fact, I believe that that's kind of what makes it so powerful, that we have an opportunity to fully live our lives as long as we're alive if we choose to. I also believe that we learn a lot from the adversity. And so people who keep thinking they can somehow avoid the adversity then blame themselves when adversity comes along. People who believe that you suddenly create that somehow suddenly blame themselves when illness happens, when accidents happen. And I just don't believe that that's the way the universe operates. I do believe that we have fooled ourselves. And part of the way that we fooled ourselves is because we live in an environment now that has so many ways of making sure that our health makes it through those crises. And so we're not surrounded like we once had been by illness and and dying from easy, uh, simple-to-solve solutions now, simple-to-solve illnesses and, and problems now. We're now at a day when we think we somehow can beat it all. And so that question struck me about what did I learn as a chaplain. So let me first tell you that the lessons I learned as a chaplain don't mean that I fully learned them. In fact, many of them have come back to me over the years, and I suddenly realized that the, the seeds were planted then, but I didn't fully harvest them until later. In fact, it was my own health crisis that really brought some of these lessons home. But I thought it might be helpful just to kind of talk about some of these life lessons that I believe are so powerful, that came out of those powerful experiences. So if you're not familiar with the role of a hospital chaplain, we're there to comfort. We're also there as a conduit for information. Uh, A lot of the times in a hospital setting, so many people are so active in the direct care. You have nurses who are spending all of their time trying to make adjustments and and deliver medicine and make people feel better. 
Sometimes they are uh, lost in dealing with all of the information that needs to get transferred to a family. Not only that, but the, their time is limited in how they can care for any one patient. It's just part of the process. The doctors are trying to make it around and do all they can to do their care, which means the chaplains are left often in situations where there is bad news coming or where bad news has been delivered, where people are struggling with what's going on in their life and they need somebody to talk to. They need somebody to explore what all this means. Sometimes chaplains have nothing to do with the ultimate questions that you might think a chaplain would deal with. We're not always talking about heaven, and we're not always talking about uh, how you move through your, your religious life. Many times we were there to share in the experience, to sit with people in the dark times of life. In my particular situation, I went through that summer of training. It was a 10-week program that was very intensive. And at the end of that 10-week program, I was hired on at the hospital where I stayed for uh, several years as a hospital chaplain serving in uh, during the second shift. Uh, in shift work, that would mean that I uh, usually came in uh, in the afternoon, uh, late afternoon, and stayed until early night. I was always uh, leaving uh, sometime around midnight, and I was coming in sometime around 3 or 4, and would spend that time visiting with families, visiting uh, with patients, and visiting with the staff to make sure that everybody was dealing with the stress of being in that situation as well as they could, as they sought to find meaning and they sought to find purpose. Part of those times were spent in the darkened rooms of the evening, and so it was that moment, you know, that what happens when it's getting dark and you start thinking about those deeper things. And so many times as the hospital was kind of quieting down for the night, I had deep, long conversations with people. I was also on call on a regular basis for any crisis that came up when I wasn't there. And I helped cover for students who were still learning what to do. And I helped deal with overwhelming situations uh, where we needed extra staff on site. And so I was often carrying in those days a beeper <laughs> that would get me up in the middle of the night after I'd gotten home and got me back to the hospital. And whenever the pager went off in the middle of the night, it was rarely for good reasons. I didn't get called in for the births that went well. I didn't get called in for the people who weren't hurt in accidents. I didn't get called in for the good news that was delivered. And so I spent a lot of time dealing with people in the midst of crisis from those pagers. And I spent a lot of time dealing with people who were in pain and in chronic illnesses and even terminal illnesses when I was there in the evening. It gave me something of a perspective that I'm not sure that many people in their uh, mid to late 20s uh, would experience. And I realized that some of those things had to trickle down when I was suddenly faced with my own mortality uh, when I was later on in life, when I was in my own health crisis. So I began to think about that email that the person gave me about what are the lessons? What, what are the specific lessons I learned as a chaplain? And I wanted to share them with you. The first lesson is just an observation that life is, is truly fragile, and I, I think we underestimate that fact, that life is certainly something that can change in a heartbeat. You know, I was amazed when I realized how often people would die from things that didn't seem to be overwhelming. 
My wife and I, in our early days, uh, while I was uh, in the early days of our schooling, our graduate school, uh, were working as relief uh, managers of the Ronald McDonald House. If you're not familiar with the Ronald McDonald House, it's a great program that allows people who are have family members in a hospital to, to be there as a family when they're there from a distance. Uh, we were a regional medical area. And so people from all over would come to the children's hospital for treatment and their families could stay at the Ronald McDonald House. Many times at night, we would be going through the records and would read about what had happened and truly tragic situations that seemed like they weren't the big deals. The people who came in uh, for what seemingly seemed to be a simple issue and never got to go home. And it made me clearly and painfully aware of how fragile life really is, which is what makes it so valuable. Sometimes we go through life acting as if you know, nothing can come our way, nothing can knock us down. And, and I think in our day's culture of medical marvels that we have forgotten just how fragile life really is. So my first lesson was realizing how fragile life truly is. But there's a second corollary to that. So my second lesson was how tightly we hold to life. I watch people come through horrible accidents and horrible illnesses and keep on moving forward. We are tenacious about life. As fragile as it is, we are tenacious about life. And so on the one hand, I would watch people who would die from things that seemed to be not overly complicated. And then I would watch as people struggled to live through very difficult, very trying things. During my years, I developed a relationship with people who came back for treatment after treatment for illnesses and the tenacity that they held on to. The, the willingness they had to undergo treatment and pain and difficulties in order to continue forward. And most of them were doing that because they felt like there was still something else for them. They felt like there was still some place else for them to be in relationship with family members, to see bigger events, to, to be a part of life, to continue to experience life. And it made me keenly aware of how tightly we hold on to this, this very fragile life that we live. It was amazing to watch people who would come in with overwhelming injuries, only to watch them leave at some point in the future, continuing their life, continuing to move forward. On a number of occasions, I watched as people would have horrific accidents that left them completely paralyzed, And then they would get their life going again. Not that they overcame the injury, but they lived in spite of the injuries. The human spirit is that power that we have within us to keep moving forward no matter what life throws our way. Many times people tell me now in the midst of a crisis that they just don't know how they're going to go on. They don't know how they're going to make it the next day. And my response is, you know how you will? By going on. That's, that's part of how we, we are wired. We continue to push forward. Sometimes I've talked with people who said, you know, I don't think I could make it through that. And they're looking at somebody else's story. I, I don't think I could keep going the way they keep going. And what I recognize is that we don't know the strength we have within us until it's challenged. And while life is fragile, we as humans have this capacity of holding on to our spirit, of continuing to push forward Because we know there's something else to the next day. 
we know there's something else beyond that. Some nights I would sit with people that had pain that was not touched by medication. They could never get beyond the pain. And, and I would say, you know, what, what keeps you going here when you, you keep dealing with that? And all of them would tell me something around the same story of there's always tomorrow. The sun will come up tomorrow and it's a new day and a new possibility. And I'm, I'm waiting for the pain to go away. We humans have a deep capacity to deal with difficulties. We humans have a deep spirit that pushes us through and we can keep telling ourselves, I can make it through this. The fact is that while life is fragile and many things can take it away from us, we hold on tight to life because we want to keep moving forward. It's amazing to watch people go through such horrific things and continue to hold tight to their life. It always reminded me that whatever difficulties I had in my life, I could muster that. I could get beyond it. If they could, I certainly could. And in the end, we hold tight to that life. But what I also discovered, and this is lesson number three, is that in the end, relationships are what really matter. Relationships are what carry the day. I watched families gather as they dealt with situations and, and they leaned on each other. In fact, while we hold on tightly to life, the way we do that is in relationship, to share the pain with each other, to share the burden with each other. Many times, part of my lessons as a chaplain came because of comparisons between two groups, two people often, two patients. I remember one night, it was late, and I visited a man who was really at the last stages of life, and he was by himself. And what I'd realized was he was constantly by himself. And I sat with him one night, and I said, is there some family that you would like me to call? Is there some family you would like me to reach out to? And he said, Chaplain, my family has long ago given up on me. He told me the story about how he had worked to build a company. And he spent all of the years putting all of his energy into that company. And what he failed to notice was he only had so much energy to give, and it was all going to the company. He was always at work or always focused on work, even when he was at home. He never took a vacation with his family, never spent the holidays with his family because his focus was always on that company and the success of that company. And by all measures, economically, he had been incredibly successful. He was incredibly wealthy and incredibly alone. His wife had long ago given up, had divorced him and moved far away. His kids, one by one, had given up on having a relationship with him because he never could fulfill the relationship pieces. When he died, they would have plenty of money. And he said, you know, I've left everybody well off. But what I realize is nobody has a place for me because I never had a place for anyone. Not long after that, I walked into another room. This person was also in a terminal stages of cancer, but was surrounded by family. And as we talked, every family member told me about the love and devotion that this person had put into the family, how this man had put the family first, even while providing for the family. This, fam this person realized that family is what made the difference. 
So every year he took vacations with the family. And when he was with his family, he was fully engaged with his family. And now at the end, when the money didn't matter, the family was there. The family was involved. This isn't what happens all the time. There are some people who have devoted their time into relationships, and at the end, they're still by themselves. But what it reminded me is how powerful relationships are for all of us and how at the end, we begin to see where we've put our energy. We begin to see where we've put all of our time, all of our energy, all of our devotion, and that begins to play into how we move forward in life. Our relationships are what matter. Our relationships, in the end, are all we have. We can strip everything else away, and at the end, that's what we're left with. The fourth thing, the fourth lesson, and the last one I want to talk about today, is that we need to finish the unfinished. I sat with person after person who needed to write a letter, make a phone call, to say some final things. And many times my time was spent with them deciding how to do that because one of the things that they wanted to do was to finish it for themselves. But the thing that they wanted most to do was to finish it for the other person, to make sure that all of uh, the, the pieces, all of the puzzle were completed before they left. They wanted to make sure that people didn't live in regret of things said and not said. They, didn't, they wanted to make sure that they could leave the world in peace because they knew they had finished business. Now, the interesting thing about that, as I reflected on it, is there's nothing that stops us from doing that. There's a book. Stephen Levine wrote a book about one year to live. And for that one year, he and his wife acted as if he was going to die at the end of the year. In fact, they worked it out so much that at the end, they had a hard time reconnecting because they had actually gone through the grief process of him dying. At the end of the book, he poses a powerful question. He says, if you had that time left, what are the phone calls you need to make? What are the things you need to say? What are the things you need to do? Who do you need to contact? And what's keeping you from doing it? His point was, we never know when that time runs out. We always have a choice of finishing up our business. The tragedy for me as a chaplain was watching people that could have had a very different life had they finished business before. Because there were chances if they had finished that business, if they had brought some conclusion to the pains and the hurts, and generally that's the business left undone, the pains and the hurts and the arguments and the fights that have happened in the past and the disconnections that we have that need to be reconnected. And if they get finished, we have a chance for a new relationship before time runs out. So one of my big lessons and the last one I want to talk today is that we always have the opportunity to finish the unfinished. And a part of that is to recognize how powerful and important it is for us to finish the unfinished. Those are the first four lessons. I'll come back to another uh, set of lessons in our, the next podcast episode where I continue to talk about this. I find it very important to think about what happens through life and how do we make sure we live life fully so we're ready when life is at its end. 
If this has been helpful, I would love it if you would share it with other people. There are easy ways of doing that. Just below, you can share on Facebook, you can share on Twitter, and other major social media accounts. And that's a way of letting people know about that. Another way you can let people know is to leave a review in the iTunes store or wherever you listen to podcasts so other people see that this is something that's been helpful. Easy way of doing it on Twitter is to uh, just put in your browser, thrivology.com slash love, thrivology.com slash love. It will create a pre-populated tweet for you to send out about how you love the Thrivology podcast. You can just hit send or you can edit it a little bit just to let people know that this has been helpful to you. I hope it has been helpful. And I hope you've got some thoughts about what needs to happen now in your life. And then we'll come back to some more in the next episode as we continue to explore how you can thrive in your life. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you live your thriving life. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Uh-huh.